Hey, everybody. Welcome to Dr. True Podcast. Appreciate you guys being here. Uh, support people that support us, and we will keep this thing going. We appreciate it very much. And uh, don't forget Dr.TV for the streaming shows, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, generally at 3 o'clock. Really interesting. Um, rather phenomenal guest, frankly. Our booker there has been going nuts. And uh, today is no exception on this podcast. Speaking of phenomenal guests, uh, you guys will love this. Uh, Anderson Cowan, Mike Carano, welcome to the program. Thanks for having us. I mean, don't sound, you, you sound too. Both you sound too excited. It's too. It's <laughs> thanks for having. I, you're exhausted. We're exhausted. How we're dare gonna, you? How dare yeah. you? I've been looking forward to this for weeks. Yeah. Just because this is, this is the only way that I get to actually hang out and uh, catch up with you, Drew. You're such I, a busy I, guy. I, that's the way I feel about both you guys. I mean, I Mike and I get on the phone once in a while because Mike usually has some medical problem or he's got somebody in the car oh, who's got a medical problem. <laughs> so I get to talk to him once in a while. Now I feel <laughs> guilty. No, but I called Drew and I said, hey, let's catch up. He's like, yeah, let's schedule a podcast and we can do that. That's that's how it works. That's how it works, man, yeah. unfortunately. And we, before the mics heated up, we were talking about how Corolla now has like colds and bronchitis and stuff on a regular basis, like four times this year. I've had nothing, nothing, I tell you. So I'm you, better. He's he's the one now sick all the time. Knock on some wood there, Drew. Yeah, buddy. There you go. So talk about this project. This is why you're here. I want to hear all about it. I've heard about it before, but the, I'm not sure the world has, and it's time. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you and I worked together for almost 20 years, Drew. And, you know, like during that time, I was always cheated on you with other projects and doing other was things. That, hold on a second. Was that really 20 years? It was seven. I was with the show for 17 years, but I walked, worked up the hall oh. for three before that. So, yeah, 20 Holy years. Holy shit. I know, I'm, I'm remembering i'm having a flashback to walking up the hall that's to... why we wanted to do this we wanted to make funeral arrangements <laughs> for all <laughs> for of me us or anderson for you which of us all of us i guess uh but yeah that's crazy uh when you were working for scott scotty farrell who actually uh scotty farrell on the bench that's where i started in radio and you love line was right down the hall and i would always walk uh, we would end right as you guys were beginning so i'd walk by as you and adam were going in and i'd see the guests and yeah and give ann a dirty look she hated me and i i didn't like her and then three years later i ended up working alongside Anne. now we're we're very close i love Anne. i didn't i didn't know this that weird history what was that all about just is that you again just deciding you don't like somebody no no and <laughs> just she didn't like the uh the rude boys up the hall talking sports you know and i was part of that crew so i see yeah were they rude well i mean scott was very rude as as uh anyways enough of that but i i was i'd always be working um well but wait 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 before we forget let's also promote the after disaster while we're at it yeah after disaster. but it's behind a paywall mm-hmm. it doesn't matter we don't promote let people it. hear it because we say incriminating things yeah well go ahead promote it mike tyler and i uh tyler is an old love line phone screener we have quite the chemistry i, I like to say and uh, tyler who ruins radio we come from three very different backgrounds, and we've been doing a uh, a podcast for twelve years together now. Each week, even during COVID, we've been doing it uh, in a parking lot. Mm. We started doing it in the parking lot to like stay safe during COVID, and now we still do it. We're just comfortable in the it's parking. It's the lot. best. We run cables out the windows into each other's cars, and I have the recorder in my car, and we just comment on people walking by, staring at us. And we Which do it parking from, lot. Which parking from an lot? Undisclosed, undisclosed supermarket parking lot? Because people have shown up. We also had a cop come by and hit us with a spotlight. A helicopter cop. Very exciting. Who knew us and came down and he buzzed us. That was fun. We've witnessed people having sex. We've witnessed people doing drug deals. We've witnessed people smoking crack in their car. We witnessed While people, going through the intersection. He we've witnessed people going to the bathroom. And I'm not talking about peeing. We've witnessed <laughs> a forget, lot of stuff. Don't forget about the gun. 
we saw a guy literally 10 feet in front of us pull out a gun and we just sat there going is that a gun yeah that's a gun that's a gun gun. that's a gun and he was in a wheelchair and we just kept doing the show it was exciting and then the next week we were like why did we just sit there yeah when a guy pulled out a gun and what's funny is you'll be able to relate to this drew because it's la like we get to the parking lot we begin the program around nine o'clock it's nice there's like moms and Mm -hmm. families going to the market and people you know Driving around and riding the bikes. Subway's closing down. Starbucks is closing down. 10.30 at night, by the time we're wrapping up, it's like Escape from New York. It is unbelievable. We saw a guy almost hit his girlfriend, and we both of us were like, do we get out? And getting on a bus, we've seen... Wait, get out. You're in the, you're in the car. You're about you to get out. And then what do you mean, get, wait, we get out. Are you in the car? Or you, do you sit yeah, up like a kitchen table? We're all table? cars with cables going through. Yeah. Uh, there was there was about six months we recorded in the parking lot of this very six sleazy, months, two years. sleazy bar. And there was not a soul in the parking lot except for some guy who would park in the back corner and facing us. Were you guys afraid to be outdoors next to each other? No, well, it was during COVID. So we were that's what to... I'm saying. During COVID, you were afraid uh, we're to be We're not going to get down the COVID rabbit hole with you right now, Drew. We're trying to be responsible and keep our families happy. We got two little there's, kids. There's not been, there have been two documented cases of outdoor transmission in the world. Well, Why are you we're bringing gonna, that up? No, we, we didn't, didn't know that at the time. And we didn't want to do we it. We did know it at the time. I was going on about it like we crazy. Well, I was co-concerned what we did to people who who wore their mask there. outside, who were stuck in their cars like you guys still are. We, what did we do to you? We can't bring lawn chairs and sit in a parking lot, Drew. people would be suspicious. You right, set right, up right, like a empire. table, set up like a table, you know. And a, I guess you you get seen. That's true. Hey, are you available to produce the uh, the program? We're no, thank you. Producer. No, thank yeah. you. No, we did lug a table down to the bottom of a volcano in Death Valley, which possibly could have killed us because yeah. it was like 115 degrees and we almost didn't make it back up we, we brought we almost just died down there yeah we brought a propane tank we brought balloons we brought microphones recorders <laughs> we've done some stunts uh, so, we infiltrated so, the insane clown posse mike and i yeah Did you ever see that we put mm-hmm. on the makeup and everything yep. and went, went to the, to the show. show we got yeah. called out we got yeah. called out by some guy going what song is this and it was like <laughs> we don't know <laughs> You, if you're not a real juggalo, you're a poser, and you we need to be killed. We got confronted on the street walking in. Some yeah. guy said, whoop, whoop, and we didn't respond. And he goes, oh, oh. whoop, whoop. Oh. We were like, oh, oh my God. God, this is not a good start. <laughs> my niece helped us put on our makeup. So I saw Jay a couple of weeks ago at the Skank Fest. Yeah. And uh, he was great. He's all be- He's much, much better. He had a lot He's of medical He's an OnlyFans model now. Uh, awesome. <laughs> and uh, But I, I, still, I still reflect fondly on my – but the favorite picture that anyone's ever taken of me was Mike Carano's picture of me with the two boys. Yes. I like that picture. That was so, a nice, that was a fun night. And it, by the way, Mike just picked up his camera and took that, oh, which, is a, which is a, a, a testament to something Carole always said, which is, if, why do you have to take 400 pictures to get one? If you're a great photographer, just take a good picture. Hmm. And Mike well, that was exactly a 400 that. picture he'd taken. That was like, yeah, probably 566. 400 guests, probably. So that's, that's not, not of me and the two boys. We just literally looked at him. He pulled his camera up. I think the, the shutter went off three times, maybe. And that was it. You're talking about Shaggy, too dope, and Shaggy uh, and and Jay. Yeah. Jay. Yeah. yeah, that was a fun night because I remember you guys talking about whether or not they were going to wear the makeup or not, and they did. They, no, they, they, they well, that was before we understood that they never are seen without their makeup. Sometimes they come in if they were being lazy, they just wear wrestling masks. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. They used to do that. Remember that? Anderson, remember no, I know that? they come in and they were wrestlers too. For that'll me. be lazy kiss someday. Yeah, Mike. Mike won't say it about himself, but he is one of the best photographers and videographers I know, and he actually did it professionally for almost as long as I did Loveliner. Were you at the Improv for twenty years? Thirty. Jesus. Yeah. 
Well, this is this is the part that he and I were discussing last time I talked to Mike was he will not charge money for his photos. I, I did uh, five and a half hours of free work last night. And, and he's got an archive of it's literally historically significant, historically yeah. relevant. Well, he's we're working on that or he's working on that. And we're, we we talk about yeah. that. Something's going to come come of that. All right. Good. Yeah. All you right. know what else? You know what else reared its weird, ugly head is yeah. the delivering Burt, the Burt Reynolds movie. Out of nowhere, I got a call from somebody saying oh, yeah. NPR is trying to get in touch with you. And I was like, this seems weird. Like they couldn't get in touch with me. And I'm forgetting to look at the camera, by the way. Oh, yeah. It's all right. They, this yeah. is mostly audio. Mostly audio. They, okay. They use but, the, the uh, video, the, the the pictures for promotional purposes only. So. And whatever they're doing with that story, for God's sakes, I have no idea. Because I did five hours and 25 minutes on, on with them at the first interview. Three hours and 15 minutes the second interview. Then they needed a third interview with the producer, Anna Sussman. And that was three hours and 25 minutes. And I have no idea how much work they put into a single show. Years ago, what they interviewed my friends as well. What Mike's talking about is years ago. Uh, take it from there. Well, but before you, before you give us the story, you called me about this six months ago, maybe eight months they're ago. They're still doing interviews, and they're like, "We're going to try to get it out by Christmas." To and do like, what? How much work are you putting into an hour of audio? Right, so, so tell them what what happened. What what this was? I think they just try and look for uh, my hours. friends and I are obsessed with the seventies. Uh, a couple of my friends said you got to go to the wax museum and buy the Burt Reynolds action figure or the Burt Reynolds life size wax figure for us when, because it's when they when they were sale. selling off all the figures and getting rid of the wax museum. Yeah, right? there's way more details than I'm going to get into now because yeah. we want to really talk about born yes you will plenty of time i lost out on the auction i called my friend and said sorry i didn't get it i went back to get my deposit and i got in line behind the woman who bought it and then she told me i told her i was a huge burt reynolds fan and i was going to buy it for my friends and then she handed me her phone and it was burt reynolds and i said what are you going to do with that and he said it's going to florida state he's on the phone with burt reynolds now in line with his uh, with the woman who just bought his wax statue is this on camera is this happening on camera yet no but in no. a series of unbelievable coincidences, we got to drive the wax bird across the country for Burt Reynolds. We took yeah. it to cattle calls. We took it to nightclubs. Tell, we tell, took tell, it to breakfast. Tell them the number one rule with the wax doll. Don't touch it. Was that it? Yeah, and don't take it out of the box. Yeah. We had a contract that said it's going to stay locked in a box, and we immediately brought it to TGI Fridays, put his head on the table. We brought him to a cattle call in the middle of the desert. We set him up at the beach. We brought the head out with us to bars to go drinking. It was amazing. It was. Was uh, it hard to get the head off the wax figure? No, no, it came right off. Easy. And so, and so, but when you got to Florida, what happened? It was uh, one of the most depressing endings in the history of any, what my friend Matt calls the world's least expensive documentary or the world's most expensive home movie <laughs> we got there there was no fanfare they couldn't have cared less we dropped it off they locked it in a closet and then i got a call from the woman who bought it and she goes you really effed up mister and i thought she meant that we damaged it and i went i documented everything even though we did drop it <laughs> but i go we documented everything it got there safe and sound she goes that's not the problem she goes you got the wrong wax spurt we wanted the deliverance spurt and that's the ending of it. How is that your fault? Though? It's not. It's not. But it made for it made the story come to through come to completion to an extent. And and, and what and what uh, what became of the Deliverance Bird? We don't know. We think it's in Korea. <laughs> Matt, my friends Matt and Steve tracked it down to the Wax Museum in Korea, and they called, and they don't speak English huh. at the Korean Wax Museum. We can't find a Korean friend somewhere to help us. I don't have any Korean friends. What's wrong with you, racist? Yeah. 
I only I only stick with Italians and Jews. <laughs> old, old school racism. <laughs> with I'm, Benjamin I'm Franklin, I am half and half. Benjamin Franklin called that racism. He he. There's I I founded a a, a diatribe by uh, by Benjamin Franklin where he was going off about the dilution of the American psyche and um, essentially race uh, by immigrants. And he was just going off about these, you know, these, these people from far flung lands. He was talking about non-Saxon Germans and Italians. Mm. That's it. That was, he was, that was, he was predicting the end of America. the, The whole racism the whole idea of it is really hilarious because if you just take a step back, you look at yeah. the person who's racist towards someone else, someone was racist towards them at some point. In time. Yeah, for sure. And there is no one, there is no great, a tribe. Well, what's even weirder is just the construct of race is artificial. They, they can't agree on the genetic, you know, it's just sort of, we're going to go with skin tone. That's what we're going to yeah, go with. Yeah, Why don't house, we just go with eye color or something else? Yeah, White skin tone. Superficial to go with color. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's I don't, just yeah. anything yeah. where you're proud of something that you had nothing to do with is just kind of pathetic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to talk to you about some really interesting shoes. They're called G Defy shoes. They are a departure from ordinary. They are groundbreaking. They've been clinically studied at UCLA, and it's not just about absorbing shock. These shoes are on a mission to boost the biomechanics of how shoes work and fostering a movement revolution, I tell you. G-Defy doesn't pour millions of dollars into athletic endorsements just to entice you. Instead, they invest in the foundational construction of the shoe. When you take the shoe out at the beginning, you'll notice it. It is a high-quality product, and it is sturdy. Hey, but don't just take my word for it. Explore the multitude of reviews and testimonials from ordinary individuals who attest to the impact of G-Defy shoes on their lives it's available at G-Defy, G-D-E-F-Y website and social platforms. It takes the pressure off back. It absorbs the impact. And particularly for those of us who are getting a little older, it can make a huge difference in the ability to tolerate long periods of exercise. Visit gdefy.com because your feet deserve more than just another pair of shoes. And here's a little extra for our listeners. Use the code DREW30, D-R-E-W-30, for an exclusive $30 off orders of $150 or more. You heard it right. A little gift from G-Defy to your feet. Visit gdefy.com, G-Defy, for $30 off, $150 or more, with code DREW30. I, I would argue, Adam and I have been talking about this a lot lately, just just having, being proud of anything is, is sort of toxic. I don't like the word what, proud what, makes me kind of cringe. Yeah, me too. It's like pride. Like, okay. Say, gonna, are you proud of what you did? Nope. I'm like, I'm happy the way it turned out, but I, to say proud is I weird. think you're right. I think it's the, I think arrogance is the most well, uh, unattractive <laughs> feature in somebody. And well, I, pride can humility. breed arrogance, right? And that's where pride goes. Pride yeah. can go off the rail really easily into other things. And that's where the people that problem. are genuinely humble are very, very appealing to me. Correct. I agree. I agree. Because you can do great things, just don't say it, and everyone already knows it. This is the conversation I'm having with my seven-year-old daily. Yeah, yeah. He tells Which me is. He thinks he's the greatest hockey player. I'll show him, like, some kid doing Ninja Warrior stuff. Mm-hmm. He's like, I-, I could do that. I'm like, no, you can't, dude. You can't do that. Like, I'm doing the opposite of pride with him because he thinks he's the best. And I think it's an age thing, I hope. 
But uh, I just can't wait till I talk to him when he's 25, talking about his abusive father, cutting that. him down all the time, <laughs> telling him that. he was worthless. <laughs> I just oh, was a kid. Those. I was enthusiastic about hockey, and he told me I was worthless. Uh, I, I'm better. I'm better than the best kid on the, on the team. He says. I say, well, that would make you the best, which you're not, buddy. You're, you just aren't. <laughs> <laughs> I there was a documentary called I Like Killing Flies and Anderson reminded oh, me that the love, guy I like killing the love guy it. immediately told his kids when they were old enough to understand you're a piece of shit. Don't forget it. You're a piece of shit. He said he said this it was it's the character that the soup Nazi may or may not have been um based on. It's called I Like Killing Flies. It's great. It's about this little grease spoon diner in New York, and it was always just packed. And like he would do crazy things, like I don't take parties of three, yeah. and not, party not of crazy three, in a fun way, crazy in an unsettling way. Like so, a family would come in for dinner, and he's like, "We're not serving parties of four. and they're like, <laughs> "But there's a table for four. Yeah, I'm not doing fours tonight. Not just doing twos. fours. And he'd but, go get the hell out and kick him out. But people loved this guy. It was they great food. He'd always him. just make up the menu. But one of my favorite things that really stuck with me from that documentary was like he, his kids who were all grown at that point. But he said, "What I would tell my kids is." We're all pieces of shit. You're a piece of shit. The sooner you learn that and start working on it, the better. And I totally think that that's true. I think that people are inherently like out for themselves and afraid and needing to like just provide for themselves and maybe their immediate family. And the sooner you realize that you're being a piece of shit, then you can start recognizing it. I think you, it's you, a little but, harsh. Well, but hang on. I mean, that's what religion was all about. We, we're all sinful. We're all bad. And you can you can pray for redemption. You can you can strive for redemption. Yeah, but you're but doing no. that right to get to heaven to get your ticket. Right. Yeah, yeah, but even so, but you're forget the motivational part of it. Just the fact that throughout history, people have been told they're they're piece of shit and that they should strive for something better. I think that construct is generally pretty good. Not not that you're a bad person, you're a horrible person, but that you have to strive to be good and to be great. It was simplified. Yeah. Hmm. And but to be great is sort of uh, unusual and lucky and good for you if you can. You know, I've been reading the the Elon Musk uh, uh, bi- biography lately, and it's really interesting. I always thought that he was just this uber brilliant guy who could do anything. Turns out that's, that's really not quite it. It's hard work. Uh, Let me he guess. Just he had, didn't write it. <laughs> no, no. The, another guy wrote it. But but it had – I mean, he's obviously very bright, but but he had just the exact right – skill set for the things that arrived on you know were presented to him in the moment and they happened to be things he was obsessing about since he was 11 he was 11 he started worrying about events that led to steve jobs and bill gates but those guys like gates was gates was a but gates was at the same time correct but but gates would have done something else if he hadn't done that you know i mean he had a driving intellect that was like out of control he would have invented the banana peeler right (laughs) right (laughs) sold two million of kato and and musk would could have done something else too for sure but as he says himself if he he if he'd gone down the stanford phd route he would have been stuck in academia and just been kind of doing that and maybe come up with something you know one little isolated thing that didn't really make a difference is that disheartening to you when somebody says i i would be stuck in academia no i know what he means i i i i i don't i love academics and i love my education things don't work out i'm going to be stuck as a rock star (laughs) but i don't understand people going into academics i I don't get that i I don't understand what would drive you to do that except security and you know wanting to have a you know i do understand it because the experience we're having with this film right now is very fulfilling and i could see teaching people would be would uh fill something in you well let's keep going
That's it. That was a great segue. That he no, did. but I mean that's honest. That's I know. And then he goes, "Okay, we're done. I'm going I'm done. Let's go. We're out here." I do understand it because once you get over this, uh, the the illusion that I'm this isn't my dream, and you just do something and you find things. You know, I've had some pretty fun jobs in my life, but there's been nothing as satisfying as a one day shoot we did about a month ago. Yeah. So let me let me tell you about this thing. But, but Actually, wait, before you do, before you do, because. I, with something he, he's framing this in a way that I think is really, really important, which is that when you do something nourishing that really makes a difference with other people, connected to other people, sharing with other people, it's always as or more satisfying than just about anything else you can do. Absolutely. And, that, and that's what, so there's a lot of young people running around. I think this is a really important. You could market this thing that way. There's a lot of young people looking for their, I got to find my dream, got to find my ultimate, my ultimate, my ultimate. How about you just get a group of friends and you go out and you do something. You start doing stuff. You start. I had this discussion with with an AD this morning, and he goes, "This isn't what I planned on doing. I wanted to be an actor." And he goes, "But I make a lot of money, and I'm doing very well." Assistant director. Yeah, and he and I said, none of us end up doing what we planned on doing, or every single person would be a rock star or a professional athlete or a famous actor. No one planned on doing what they're doing, And, and yet every rock star I know wants to have been an actor. They all want to have been actors. All the actors want to be rock stars. Correct. And all the managers want to be producers. And all the producers want to be directors. Right. That's that drive, Drew. They always want to do something more, something different. No, they literally, they literally start with the desire to be X and end up being Y, and are are kind of never fully satisfied. It's it's weird to me. I've noticed this through all the years of talking to people. Very few people are actually doing what they wanted to, to do. Yeah. They're very few. When somebody is uh, doing something that they said, this was my dream since I've been 10, I'm concerned for their mental health. The same way when I meet somebody who's 15 goes, I've never smoked or taken a drink or done a drug. Oh, you're like, yes. eh, you're not curious about life. Then. We don't trust those guys. Yeah, we don't trust them. No. But, I, but I respect them. You know what I mean? It's like good for you. Mm. The ones that never dabble, never tried, never even took a hit of a cigarette. Like that's there's there's uh, to me it take to to never do something like that. Like literally never. That that takes a little commitment. I, I I'm always it's intrigued like the same by person that. who never tried spinach. It's like I, just because it's bad for yeah. you, just because it's good yeah. for you. It's like yeah, try. somehow that's uh, different. I didn't try because Popeye's <laughs> so, voice was really annoying. <laughs> all right, so here you go, Anderson. Now so, you yeah, talk. I was I was. Uh, let me tell you the story. I don't even know if you know the story of how I met Mike Drew. Uh, how you met Mike? You we and then you can tell the story about how you introduced me to Mike. Okay, yeah. So uh, years and years ago, I'm in film school with my buddy Mickey, and he's good friends with Mike. They both work at the uh, Irvine Improv, and uh, Mickey's doing a short film for film school, and I'm the uh, producer on it or something. And you know, I, I have a whole list of the crew, the cast, everyone. And how I'm does how does that guy know Mike? He went, he worked at the improv. Okay, got it. Okay, yeah, got it. Mike, I met him at I met him at the improv and and probably in my first go around, and then I reconnected with him in like so two thousand. He got and it. this guy Mickey, who I'm close with, uh, are friends. And Mike's name is the only name I don't recognize on the call sheet for the short film that I'm producing with my friend Mickey. And I'm why I was on the call sheet. I have no you idea. You were a producer, so wow. I kept I kept trying to get Holy a hold shit. of him. I'm like, wow, Mickey everyone's you know good to go except for this mike guy who won't return calls i don't know what his deal is it was like the second day of the shoot and i'm out front and mike pulls up i don't know what kind of car it was but he pulls up i'm out front with the girl that i'm dating at the time mike walks up i introduce myself i'm like oh you're mike ron i've been trying to get a hold of you you're supposed to be here and he goes okay ignores me talks to the girl that i'm dating he's flirting with her openly goes to his car gives her some kind of strange doll or something and then splits and that was the last i saw of mike 
for 10 years. And I and Strange Doll was probably an action figure or something or a Star Wars figure. Mike. I have no idea, but this story does not ring a bell to me. He doesn't at, like he doesn't at like all, story. and I, th- it doesn't seem. I, I was like, "That's not me. This, this is not true." Oh no, that seems exactly like you. It seems exactly and, like you. <laughs> yeah, but then Doctor <laughs> Drew, about uh, six months ago, when I'm scanning fifty thousand negatives, he's not exaggerating. The fifty. I'm two two years yeah. into this scanning job. Yeah, I come across a roll of film, and I'm like, "What the hell is this?" And I see Anderson in the background, and then I find an 8x10 that I printed 20 years ago. And on the show, I went, is this your ex-girlfriend by chance? And he's like, yep. That's the one. And he took like a, like a glamour shot of her somehow, and she's like looking lovingly into the camera. Anyways. On that day? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He, I guess I maybe left, and I, I missed the part where he took out his camera. I don't, I don't remember <laughs> any of that. Maybe <laughs> maybe your memory's fucked up and you're t- you're t- you're twisting it and really what he got out of the car was his camera and then oh, you no, looked away a, and he took pictures. It was, a, it was a doll without without a doubt. He probably he always has a camera with him, so. don't, I know but don't trust your memory. Don't nobody should ever trust their memory. Memory is so flawed. But go yeah. ahead. Thin blue line. Watch it. Yeah. Uh so 10 years later, Mickey's cons consistently, because I'm still very close with Mickey, saying, you got to hang out with Mike Carano. you got to see this that Mike Carano did. Mike Carano, this, Mike. And then he says, oh, Mike Carano's been doing these things called Five Minutes with Mike. And I'm like, I, I don't like that guy. Stop talking about Mike Carano. I don't care about this Mike Carano guy, right? And I'm at home with my my then-girlfriend, now-wife, uh, one day, and we just... And Mickey sent me a link to one of them, and I just... I said, fine. Just to appease Mickey, to get him off my back, I'll push play. Yeah. yeah. The wife and I watched it. We watched the next 30 or something. We spent like two and a half hours watching nothing. But what, what was the first I, one? Just out of curiosity. What was him uh, going around his uh, townhome showing all of his trinkets. Yeah, which is the one you hooked me with. Yes. The one you showed me. So I call Mickey and I say, all right, you got me. I watched like two and a half hours. Jillian and I just watched <laughs> two and a half hours of goddamn Mike Carano. What's his phone number? I go downstairs in the parking garage and I call Mike and I say, Hey, you don't know me, but we're going to be friends. And Mike's like, Oh, I know you from Loveline. And, and I, and I tell him the old story. And then we became friends. Like shortly thereafter, he's, he and I are doing a show. And it's, there's way more to it than that. It's been like, well, and by the way, he shows me party at Mickey's house. I got so drunk that I forgot my girlfriend was at my house with dinner and I missed the whole thing. I got, came home at like, that's when we kind of connected and I got home at like two thirty or three in the morning and she had thrown everything in the garbage and got up and slammed the door when I got home and left. And it was very uncomfortable. And then two days later he goes, Hey, when can you stop by? And I went tonight. And I did. Oh, love that's mine, when yeah. I met you. So Drew, Drew, I don't know. This is, I don't know if you remember this the same way, but this is kind of how I saw it. Drew, well, Hold on a second. One second. As far as it goes with that fight with that girlfriend, I know that sounds like it was the end of the relationship, but no, they did that about 300 more times yeah. before it actually ended. Yeah. And they had done like, it 300 I like ex- times. I like excitement in my life. They yeah. times <laughs> At that point. That too. We call that alcoholism. I actually anyway. brought my ex-girlfriend to Thanksgiving and it worked like a charm because it diffused any possible family tension. Oh. <laughs> Because, wow. uh, you know, my dad and my brother would normally be fighting, and it would be just this oh, she's like a buffer. Everyone was on their best behavior. Yeah. They were obnoxiously loud, but nice. it worked. All right, so how did you see it, Anderson? That's what not happened? bad. You could, like, rent a buffer person for That's family, right. Christmas, family, Thanksgiving. That's right. Everyone will, like, be on their best behavior. <laughs> yeah, That's a good idea. And okay. you can have you can have an implode option where for an extra <laughs> if you decide it's not going well, and you want family dinner to get way worse, the buffer just, like, takes off his clothes and dumps the cello <laughs> on the ground. And then runs out the door and takes an Uber home. So Drew was like, at the time you were doing celebrity rehab and you had a love line every night, 20,000 calls. And you were like the, the nation's 
like therapist, right? And, and not technically a therapist, but I mean, you were given great sage advice and uh, you're always giving, giving, giving. And then you, you and I would always be the first ones at Loveline and I'd yeah. be there doing some stuff and you would come in and you yeah. would kind of bounce all of your shit off of me. And I, I, yeah. I was, uh, it was like a receptacle for like, I felt like, like you were on the, it was reversed. You, I wasn't giving you advice, but I was just hearing all of your shit, right? Well, so so at that point, I mean, I was, you know, doing 16-hour days routinely. Yeah. You were cool. And I was never talking to anybody that wasn't a patient or wasn't a work colleague. I just, nobody. I just, it was always working, working. So I'm imagining, I didn't really remember that I would do that, but it makes sense to me that I would do that. Yeah, you were talking to me about all your stuff, and you were comfortable enough to talk to me about yeah. all your stuff, which yeah. I was yeah. happy to help because I'm a giver mm-hmm. and I liked, and I, I've always loved you drew and i've always cared for you and i would i would always be the one to be like take care of drew drew you gotta stop slow down and take care of yourself. yeah well that's so that would fall on deaf ears and yeah. i what was that that fell on deaf ears take, one night slow down <laughs> and yeah i know I, I i don't think that you have there's not an off switch with you i don't have that speed yeah I want to share with you some interesting news about a product that may revolutionize your well-being and health. It's called Sugar Shift Probiotic by Biotic Quest. Of course, probiotics is a very complicated landscape, but Biotic Quest Sugar Shift is here to make it simple. Sugar Shift is not a typical probiotic. It's, uh, a, well, they call it a game changer for gut health, decreases inflammation. It's a powerhouse that st- restores the balance in the gut microbiome. And it improves regularity, of course, and it might have an impact on sugar cravings and, of course, thereby support healthy blood sugar. It works by converting glucose and fructose in the gut to prebiotic mannitol. It's a free radical scavenger that promotes a more diverse microbiome. With eight probiotic strains not found in other probiotics, this patented formula is changing the probiotic landscape. Biotic Quest groundbreaking formula, it's patented, speaks volumes about the metabolic engine of your gut. It's not basic. Forget the basic probiotics. You might need the right product to restore harmony. And here's the exciting part. You can get 15% off. It's a 15% discount off the first three months of Sugar Shift subscription with the promo code DREW15. While results may vary, clinical trials have suggested that the best results come at three months and beyond. Take charge at BioticQuest.com. That's B-I-O-T-I-Q-U-E-S-T.com with code DREW15. Take charge at BioticQuest.com with code DREW15. Again, that's B-I-O-T-I-Q-U-E-S-T dot com, code D-R-E-W-15. But one night you come in, and I, I was in the middle of doing, like, putting together the best of. I was up against it, and you were in, you know, you in one of your moods. You had a bunch going on. I'm like, you know what? Why don't you sit back, take your mind off everything, and watch this? And I played you a five minutes with Mike. And you were hooked. You were absolutely hooked. And then every night for the next few weeks, you come in, get another five minutes with Mike. I want to, I want to watch another one. I would just have you all queued up and you would be watching five minutes with Mike. And that became like kind of like your, your decompression. Yes. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. And then, and and, and the, and the first one was the one with all the toys all over the place. That's a great one to start with. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you started with. And I was like, what is, what I got to figure out what's wrong with this guy. I can't he's figure totally, it out. <laughs> he's one of the most unique, sweetest, like great <laughs> so people I've ever, I've ever met. And like these videos would kind of give you a glimpse into his world. And these, these are before he quit drinking too, a lot of them. So I think that he's removed a lot of them because he's embarrassed of them. <laughs> but anyway, so then uh, Mike came down to the studio a couple weeks later and like you were like starstruck when, 
When, oh, when completely. Was, well, no, no, no. You 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 sort of surprised me with him or something. You said, "Hey, I got something for you." He goes, "Meet my Carano or something like it was something because I remember he was outside the studio, sort of entering the studio, the, the yeah. control room, and we were. I we correct me if my memory is right, but we were in the. Um, What's the the guy that used to do it standing up misogynist Lycus. Um, Lycus. Uh, uh we were in his studio, right? At that Brand. time. Yeah. 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 And uh and Mike then I don't know if it was that night or soon after actually came on the radio with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. R- right, it, Mike. He was up for the Love Line co host there for a minute. Don't yeah. even let's not talk about if that. The, if the powers that be were smart enough, um, they probably would have uh gone that direction. I just remember he showed up after after having done it with a, a giant scroll. Yeah, yeah a, a giant this, nine, 12 foot scroll this with whole a, life a, a decree, a Magna Carta on it. It was amazing. It, this whole experience with the three of you has been like the most shining example of gratitude I could ever have in my life because, and it all comes back to this thing we're shooting right now, which is what a weird coincidence that I know Mickey, Mickey knew Anderson. We met, I met you. Then Anderson said, can you fill in for my friend who has a brain tumor on a podcast? And we used profanity. And that podcast, because we're both idiots, went out over the air on someone else's show. Yeah, I can say it now. Like, I, I pushed the wrong button and we and went out. We over had to go Billy apologize. We, we preempted Billy Bush's uh, yeah. show in over 100 markets across the nation. And we were live on, on mic, microphones. And I wasn't even in the studio. I went out to get coffee, and Mike, Mike was just talking to the girl that we had as a guest, and uh, they were just talking about how good Kentucky Fried Chicken is and how fucking good the skin is. And <laughs> and that went out like to just over a million people probably. So instead yeah. of getting fired, somehow we got called in to the office. We got lectured a little bit. Well, then, I was driving to a place I didn't work to apologize, which was yeah. it was. Yeah. And we went into someone's office. I'm not naming names. And he kind of just gave us a good friend of mine, slapped us on the wrist. And then on our way out, God, the story now, it sounds like such privilege. Really I know. Does. But on the way out, Anderson goes, hey, you know what? What do you think about us doing a show after Love Line? Yeah. Even though like we're in here for doing exactly that and, yeah. and we're in trouble. And he's like, love it. You guys are great together. So that was how the after disaster was born. Yeah. And, and was that a radio show to begin with? How did, how did on, that work? It was on the um the the feed that live feed that we had. There was all these different things that they were trying out before. Podcast. Yeah, we got Love Line calls the entire show. Yeah, right, right, right. For the right. first couple, of but weeks. we were the Love Line after disaster, and then we dropped Love Line, and uh, we're just the after disaster now. But anyway, so and it's a podcast. It's a podcast, yeah. Yeah, but that's not what we're here for. We're here I know, I know. Because Go I, ahead. so I, I've well, been... let me just. I'm sorry to do this and not get to the point, but there's also more to this. Like Anderson always wanted to make real movies, and he's made short films and stuff like that. And then he said he was going to do this homophobic revenge film. And according to our listeners, I said, well, how about somebody takes the bullies that are bullying a gay kid? These two homophobes. And puts their dicks in a Chinese finger trap. Yeah. And, and they can't get out till they get erections for each other. And then Anderson wrote it. Yeah. Made it, directed it, it's a, got it financed, and it, it it sold and became available. So that a, was the first like amazing experience. Like what? The after disaster really is like a writer's room. It's just us bouncing yeah. ideas off and running with them. Tyler is amazing yeah. as well. Tyler is yeah. now uh, he works for Rivian, uh, but like we, I just said Tyler's amazing. As Rivian's well, so, like, car company. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? You know, Tyler's a god amongst men, also desired but by women. It really is like a writer's, and there's some great, some very fun ideas. Actually, we've accused people of listening to that show and maybe stealing some of our ideas, which could be a, a they probably did. But yeah, 
the idea of two homophobes friend. being in a Chinese finger trap and the only way they can get out is that they have to be gay for each other because they say homosexuality is a choice. And yeah, I love that idea so much that I wrote an entire feature-length film. But he made it and, and it's sold. It's called Groupers. It's uh, it's available on uh, Amazon and Tubi and uh, anywhere where you can find movies. It's, it's, uh, yeah. It premiered at Cinequest. It had some good success. And it got canceled by Chan- uh, 4chan. Drew. The alt-right canceled it. That's feather in my cap. That is good. They, they, they canceled the book I wrote with my daughter, too. Oh, yeah. Even though oh, I'm fighting the God. left all day, the right cancels everything I do. On <laughs> if, I, if you're upsetting both sides, it means you're doing something right. I, I guess so, man. I, I, I fought the right or my whole career, well, and now I'm yeah, fighting the left. Something or very, something very, very wrong. wrong. <laughs> what? That is true. <laughs> I'm the new president of NAMBLA. Both, <laughs> both sides <laughs> don't like me. <laughs> all right. I don't good, get it. That's a good point. All right. If you're, if you're ex- upsetting both extremists on both sides, yeah, I think. Yeah. And I did definitely with, uh, with groupers. So we did. Yeah, so. But this one will not upset them. I so trust. as you know, Anderson goes away, was going away to camp to take care of kids with cancer every year. And I never yes. really took it into account how much of a sacrifice that was. Well, it was never... easy when I didn't have a kid. Now it's done. Mm. I know, but I never mm. really realized that you're leaving for two weeks, no phone, and you're just taking care of sick kids that are going to die every year for a long, long time. I, I just – I never – even soaked it in. I just thought, okay, whatever. But I didn't realize how much of a sacrifice well, it was. So then he wanted to make a film with special needs kids, Down syndrome. Not just and, Down syndrome, but I'd say but he put the, put the word IDD. out. Well, I, I, I'm lucky in the sense that I, because of experiences I had in my own like uh, elementary school and then definitely junior high in in, in special needs and the, the special uh, education classes and and some stuff work that I did in school there, uh, I learned about this population really early and I absolutely love this population and I've been working with them since I was a teenager, Drew. And that's also how I found Cameron McDonald for Good Times, which is different, but there's a lot of brain tumors as well. So there's a lot of special needs and kids with cancer. It's an oncology camp. But yeah, I wrote a script uh, a number of years ago based mainly on like my own experiences with this crazy, amazing, hilarious population and the stories that come come out of some of the things that I've experienced. Mm. And I went kind of during COVID doing some research because we we're trying to get it going. And I found I was looking for actors who could actually play these neurodiverse characters that I'd written. And that's when I came across the Born to Act Players, which is right here in North Hollywood. And uh, it's on my street about wow. a half a mile from me. And Crazy. I talked to a woman who founded it. Her name's Mary Rings. And she's, I mean, the, the documentary ultimately is going to be about her more you, than any. You've, you've never met a person like this who is 100% non-falteringly focused and kind. And kind. Mm. She never loses it. I don't even see her get And stressed. I talked to a woman who was there for 10 years about a, or on Thanksgiving, and I said, has Mary ever slipped? And she said, never once. Mm. So about three years ago, I went to view, just to watch the class and watch her operate and watch and see if there are any actors that would be, you know, possibly cast in this this movie that I wrote. And I brought my then three-year-old son, Atticus, and uh, we both loved what we saw. They do improv, they do Shakespeare, they do, they mm. do exercise, like uh, acting exercises. They do this whole two-hour class, no breaks, one thing right into the next, incredibly mm. focused. And Atticus and I have been going back like every week. We've become a part of the program. We're, I'm wearing the shirt right now. I, I love this place. I love Mary. I love all the actors. I, I know them all really well. And last May, we decided, all right, it's time to start doing this documentary to, to show people what this population is all about. Because it really... Mike, why don't you talk about your experience with because you had very little experience. I, I knew he was doing this. I knew he had a feature film in mind, and he said, "Can you come by and take some pictures?" And this is about three or four months ago. 
Mm. So I showed up. February. I showed up a little late. Uh, really? Almost a year. Holy ago. shit! Wow. Mm. I showed up with my cameras. I walked in the back door. It's a giant room in a church, and there's chairs facing the stage. And Mary's on stage talking to the kids. They're not kids, but we call them kids. And one by one, people would turn around and see me come in and get up and walk over and give me a little fist bump or a very gentle hug. And I thought I was being set up by Anderson. I'm like, oh, he told him to do this. And it was by the third or fourth person, I was kind of choked up. And I was like, because I know nothing about, I knew nothing about them. Mm. And I, I wish there was a better way for me to express the feeling. It is absolutely grounding, egoless. And it is the most pure example I've seen of fun and love in my life. Mm. And being there for three hours on Saturday and two hours on Thursday is, I never leave there in any way, shape or form a bad mood. Mm. And they're, they're very, very genuinely funny. They're very interesting. And And it's just, it's, it's an experience. I mean, I don't like promoting anything and I want to promote this. Do do you, um, are you participating now in some way? I Mike? did participate a couple of weeks ago, but I'm usually with a camera, so I can't. So you guys are still changed. filming stuff. Yeah, we're doing. We're going to be doing mainly heavily interviews um, after the new yeah. year. Right now, it's all been leading up to the uh, rehearsal for their annual Christmas show, which is coming mm-hmm. up here. They got two of them for the two separate classes, the two mm-hmm. separate in-person classes. But yeah, Mike kind of, you know, he's there. He's so good at being there without getting in the way and being behind his camera, and but he's taking it all in. And it's been really fun for me to see somebody. like I didn't know how Mike was going to react. I didn't know if he's going to be uncomfortable. I should tell you that Mary, who founded this program over 30 years ago, she was a working actress in the 70s in Hollywood. And she was in things like Six Million Dollar Man and Wonder Woman fun. and Air- Airwolf. Wow. And then she got pregnant and she had a son who has Down syndrome. And it kind of, you know, having a kid derails your your career if you're, if you're an, a female. And mm-hmm. especially if he has Down syndrome, if he's special needs. So... 14 years goes by and she's antsy and she's got this incredible kid who is like a performer, natural performer. And she said, let's Mm. start an acting class. And that's what she did 30 years ago. And now it's, it's made up primarily of down uh, kids with down syndrome and and, uh, adults with down syndrome, but they have autism. They, the autistic kids. Do they ever mix in so-called neuronormative types? Yeah. I mean, um, cause I think that'd be, that'd be where it gets really interesting. I don't even know what that is. I'm, what's that I'm, mike what is that so 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 the terminology the com the current lexicon would be sort of these are non-neuronormative kids and you would mix in rather than using the word normal you'd say neuronormative sort of people with the usual cognitive constructs my my seven-year-old son he's in like the, he's in the christmas show he's there with me every week I'm okay assisting. there you go uh and then we have some incredible assistants who are like in sag and uh, are working actors, and they come and give incredible amounts of their time and their expertise. There's a guy named Brock Morse, who's kind of the, the, the head guy right behind Mary, and he's in the middle of everything, and he mm. is such a great improv actor, and he works so patiently with the, with the, uh, with the actors, with the other born act players. He's but, the guy that both Anderson and I would have many conversations about going, we should hate him, yeah, but we, we don't. <laughs> he's, he's like 6'4", he's extremely good-looking, he can act, he can dance, he can sing. He's charming as any person I've ever met on the planet. He's like a better looking version of Pierce Brosnan, who gives 100%. And we're like, we should hate this guy. Where is the crack in the armor on this dude? 
So I have a producer <clears throat> who's actually, we got people that are working with us and helping us from all over the country. And um, I should say loadedforbeardoc.com is where you can go to look and see more about what we're doing here. We've been doing it for all, going on close to a year now. But I have a producer who's very, very bright, Robert Jarosinski, and he saw the SAG after strike coming up. And he said, SAG after they're going to strike. They're not going to be able to work on their regular stuff, which is awful. And it's, everyone's going to suffer. However, they are going to be work, able to work on something small, like a short film that's under $50,000. Mm. So we should maybe do that because so many of these actors are SAG. A lot of our born to act players are SAG or they're trying to get SAG. They want to be in films and commercials. So we struck while the while the strike was sorry for the pun but we put together a pretty expensive short film uh two camera system we got all my friends who work on big big stuff with like fincher and christopher nolan to come out and help us professional sound two camera system the best we got the best money could buy people working on a dime uh and we got real uh, professional sag after actors we got uh, john John capolos who drew you might remember him from uh he was the, the janitor, janitor mm-hmm. Carl in the breakfast club. Mm-hmm. We got, we got uh, Eddie Levy who has a very big part on AP bio. Who's just a total sweetheart. Also, I didn't tell any of these guys this, but I did a little background checks on a couple that I didn't know and called people or email people that had worked with them just to make sure that they were cool and that they'd be able to work well with what we were doing. Cause they needed to have extra patience with not only me as a director, but also some of our actors. And then also I got uh, Keith Coogan, who was a, uh, a guy from the, the Dishes Are Done Man from uh, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead and Adventures in Babysitting and Cousins. And his grandfather was the reason for the Coogan Law. Yeah. So oh, wow. These guys are all giving up their time. They're, they were everyone. You mean the child family. actor Coogan? Yeah, child yeah. actor Coogan. Crazy. And people, people know Keith Coogan. The kid. Too. Yeah. That's why we have to be real careful with that law. We couldn't have any minors on set <laughs> at all. <laughs> But uh, we ended up doing a, a 16-hour shoot and uh, we shot a 12-page script, and I'm cutting it together right now. And God, and the thing that Mike did behind the scenes, he followed and shadowed everything behind the scenes, might be better than anything we've done. i just seen these guys in action. I sent you a link to it. I don't know if you got it because I sent it to a bunch of people and no one responded ex- except for people I sent it to through my phone. Uh, I, got, I got the trailer. I, I just sent you a little promo. Piece yeah, yet. promo. Oh, piece, no, yeah. I sent you a fifteen-minute long. No, scenes did not get it. Oh God, did, I wonder if that means it. Bobcat and Judd Apatow didn't get it either. But Shit. I mean, I was there. I know all these guys, Drew, and I was, I was kind of like tearing up just watching how much fun they were having away from me, and like you know when they were back getting their makeup done, and like it was the best. It was just, it's, it's the best. When we were driving home, Anderson goes, "If all of this fails, it was worth it for today." Yeah, and mm. that was probably the most expensive thing we've ever done. Yeah. Mm. It was a and I say we, day. even though I had nothing to do with it. He wrote it. He was on the phone nine hours a day. He put it all together, but I got to be a part of it. And it was truly one of, the, you know, I mean, just watching some of the kids, some of the students broke down and cried when they got paid. Yeah. Mm. And, and they were on the set of a real movie. And we had so many obstacles. Anderson had so many obstacles. I had almost none, except for will my alarm go off in time? Um, and <laughs> And which moms should I flirt with? <laughs> but you know we had an issue with uh film la uh, let's it. not get into the negative okay. stuff yeah all right sometime in the early 80s ario speedwagon's airplane made an unannounced middle of the night landing this is my friend kyle mclaughlin the star of twin peaks 
and he's telling me about how he discovered a real-life Twin Peaks in rural North Carolina, not far from where he filmed Blue Velvet. What was on the plane was copious amounts of drugs coming in from South America. Supposedly, Pablo Escobar went looking for other spots, quiet, out-of-the-way places to bring in his cocaine. My name is Joshua Davis, and I'm an investigative reporter. Kyle and I talk all the time about the strange things we come across, but nothing was quite as strange as what we found in Varnumtown, North Carolina. There's crooked cops, brother against brother. Everyone's got a story to tell, but does the truth even exist? Welcome to Varnumtown. Varnumtown is available wherever you listen to podcasts. So here's what I want you to do, because because it's a little confusing what you want the audience to do and to look out for. Right? Well, I should say this is all self-financed or or I'm raising so, money. So, so hold on. So what's coming and where do we look for it? Okay. So the short film is a, a proof of work, right, uh, for a feature-length narrative. The documentary is ongoing. It's three projects in one because we're in there. Took Mike's in there two times a week. I'm on. I've, I've been with them for almost three years. We, we yeah, want. So to, what, what does this the, the audience purpose, need to do to support you? Go to loadedforbeardoc.com. L- loaded for loaded for loadedforbeardoc.com. We B E A R like the like the animal. Yeah, loaded for bear. Loaded for bear. Loaded loaded for bear doc doc dot com documentary. Yeah, doc. Yeah. And what will they find there? That there they'll find the budget, they'll find pictures, they'll find video representation, they'll find uh, it's a it's a pitch uh, deck essentially. Uh, also a link to uh, Entertainment to Affect Change, who is our fiscal sponsor, and they're a five hundred one c three nonprofit. So anything that you can afford to give, or if you have a company that matches match doma- do- donations, it should be a tax write-off. I can't say so because I'm not a tax professional, but it should count as a tax. So, so if I go, you get you guys got to get a bit much more promotionally clear about all this stuff so we can get people to do what you'd like them to do. So if I'm you go to, what? I'm going to do the job Anderson hired me to do regardless. But I haven't been getting paid until we clear up the debt from the small film, the short film, costs and, more. and of all things. I've never asked for anything. I would ask my friends to donate. Throw twenty bucks at it. Throw fifty bucks at it. Throw where bucks at it because where 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 doc dot com and it, will it come up? Donate here. A, 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 yeah, a window top. will come up yeah. at the very top. And okay. Then and when I and is is it and am I donating to that other organization? No, is they that, don't take a cut at all. It's all run by Nick. So all right, I'm going to go on the yep. website. I go on the website. Loaded for there. Incredible. Okay response uh we've yeah, raised we got, a lot of money yeah we got pe- okay. a lot of people donated but not, that's why we want we need to promote it again because i we're not going to stop doing it regardless but i think what we're making here i don't know yet what we're making but okay, it's so, not so hold it's on not a deep dive into autism or down syndrome it's a story yeah I mean, yeah these people are and it, the story i i like the you know this people are trying to find ways to incorporate the population that you are focused on here into the spectrum of what just humans are. So they're not thought of as normal or not normal or anything. They're just spectrum. This is the spectrum of humanity. Yeah. And, and this is their story. Now when spectrum do they're the best amongst us, they really are. the Well, everybody that that knows this syndrome knows that, you know, knows how, how lovely. Okay. I, I, I think what people will get out of this, regardless of what the story is, is just feel good. Okay, so loaded for the documentary, the dark, dark, great website. Hang on, 
And there's a big bar that says support the film. That is that what I click on? Yeah. Okay, I'm clicking on support the film. I don't see you taking out your credit card. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. okay and then you now you get the e2ac entertainment yeah, it, to affect change yeah. lex logo mm -hmm. you guys don't give 20 bucks as an option uh down at the bottom you can put 50 cents if you wanted all right and then you just click donate amount yeah donation and then you immediately get an email back from entertainment to affect change uh with the appropriate paperwork that you can give to your cpa to use it as a tax write-off uh, okay. in most all cases. I don't understand how there's a case where that doesn't work as that. Maybe if you've already maxed out, I don't know. All right. All right. But there we go. We, okay. We, so we that's what we're going to do. That's incredible what, that's... response. So okay, far. good. But it, it's slow go, you know, it's, it's and, an and then, and then will we, we will see as a result of our donation. What? So the documentary is going to be the story of leading up to the Christmas annual Christmas show that they're doing right now. Okay, so a, we're supporting a documentary. Yes. And B we're also supporting the feature short. No, no. Well, the short, yeah. The, the short film is now wrapped into that. And yeah, if you donate by that, the timeline hasn't come up yet true, but if you donate before that thing is cut and done and finished and locked, your name will be associated with that short film as well. But it's and, and that is a set, that short film is a pitch for a major thing. It's a pitch for a feature. Yeah. Also, you know, it might have a festival run. Uh, okay, but really, we're supporting the doc about the lead up to the Christmas show. And the, what about what about the doc about behind the scenes for the the that's short? That's all part of the documentary. I mean, it's going to be about the lead up to the Christmas show as well as their experience working on a on a movie set again. Okay. Okay. Some of them have already worked yeah. on plenty of sets. Some it was their first day. Okay. Uh, and it shows it really ch highlights like their comedic chops and just how sweet and how fun and just what okay. really the feeling I want people to have is what Mike got when he came is not only working with this population, how great it is. And like, if I'm not there for a couple of weeks, cause I'm out of town or something, Drew, like I'm something's missing. Like, and I go back there, I, just, I know when I'm there that I'm in the right place, that I, the place that I'm supposed to be and all is right. Like that's yeah. how I feel. But well, I'm also seeing, I'm seeing progress, which I didn't anticipate. Oh, like there's, sure. there's certain students that just sit there silently and now they're up and singing, watching mm -hmm. them come out and of their shell. Is the best. It's unbelievable. Like even the short time mm -hmm. I've been there, I've seen a couple of people that didn't want to participate and they just sit there with their arms crossed. Mm. And you also get to see that there is a side of them. There's a little bit of it that's heartbreaking when you realize that there's different levels of this. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. one of the girls, Anderson said, said, like, I'm not going to ever get a boyfriend because I have Down syndrome. And then mm -hmm. other people, like when we were interviewing one of the guys, yeah, I said, what's it like with this? And Anderson, everyone's like, no, no, he doesn't know he hasn't. No, it doesn't. It's not even that he doesn't know. But, he refuses to admit it. Yeah. He says, I don't see it as a disability. I, you know, I, yeah. I am very able and I don't like to even talk about my disability. And this guy, I think I'm not naming names here, but I think that he might have uh, he does have Down syndrome. And we think that he might also be dual diagnosed with autism because he can memorize everything. It's, oh, oh yeah. interesting. Yeah, oh, sort yeah. of uh, again, you don't see that a, very often. again, so it's non neuronormative spectrum thing a lot of phenomenon times. and to yeah. sort of you know then certainly having trisomy which is what lets it down can be one of the features but guys we we, we got to leave it there one, one uh, last thing though we and we're also bringing the parents in because that's um a side to this drew that i think you can uh, understand that gets forgotten about and the you know mike and i go home even when i'm you know working when i worked at a group home i would 
clock out and go home. It's the parents whose story really gets lost. And we've interviewed the parents, had roundtables with the parents. We're continuing to do to do that. And one of the parents, she's from Boston. She's the best. She's she calls me amazing. Up. She calls me up and she goes, Anderson, I just want to make sure that this documentary you're making is not about victimhood because we are not victims mm. at mm. all. I said, mm. I said, don't you worry about that. This is not about victimhood at all. That's no, I get, I get that it's it's inspiring. Yeah, I get it. Inspirational and and sort of a richly human story. And it's such it. a vague word to say, but I can't think of anything other than sweet. Like yeah, I was thinking that word to too because the, the because people with this go, these things this is, this are sweet. Feel good. Yeah, they are sweet people. They are sweet folks. And I just think we'd all be better off if we just spent time, whether giving to something like this or giving to a program that makes you feel like you're doing something good. And I don't want to feel like I'm on my sound like I'm on my pulpit, but I mean, I know that it does. My friend back in, in, in film school said that I would go up to camp to scrub my soul, which is kind of funny because, you know, I'm a little bit edgy at times, Drew, as you know, mm. but uh, she couldn't be more right. Like, it just makes me feel like like a better person, like I'm doing something good. Thank you for having us on. I have to pee. All right. I have to go, too. So good to see you guys. Uh, Thank you very much. Let's, let's go see in person one another somehow. Yes. When when you have the release of this thing, there'll be a release. Won't there be a big release day? Yeah. I mean, it's going right. to continue if we do get greenlit for the feature, and then that's going to be part of the documentary as well, the entire thing. Or it's going to end with us not getting. All right. Literally. I'm going to go uh, donate right now. Thank you, Drew. Look okay. Fair doc. All right, guys. Oh, guys. See you. Bye. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com. Hold on to your jingle bells. Pluto TV has all your holiday favorites for free. Enjoy Christmas classics like Scrooge with Bill Murray or Last Holiday with Queen Latifah. Plus, dive into festive channels like holiday movie favorites by Lifetime or Hallmark Movies and more. Download the Pluto TV app on all your favorite devices and start streaming holiday favorites on live channels and on demand. With thousands of free movies and TV shows, Pluto TV is your home for the holidays. Pluto TV. Stream now. Pay never.